2: Money Starts Right Now. I'm Melissa Lee. Tonight's trader lineup, Tim Seymour, Karen Feinerman, Brian Kelly, and Bono and Eisen. Tonight on Fast, Intel plunging after its latest earnings report. We'll break down all the numbers and find out what is next for the semiconductor giant. Plus, if you're looking for safety amid today's sell-off, is gold still your best option? We'll take a look at the outlook for the precious metal. And there were a couple bright spots in this Thursday sell-off. We'll find out what sent this name flying higher. We start off with a major reversal in the markets today, led by big tech. The Dow dropping more than a percent, with Apple contributing more than 100 points to this loss. And take a look at some of the other stocks that saw some real swings today. NVIDIA was up more than a percent at highs, but closed down nearly 3%. AMD, Facebook, Alphabet, same camp. And then, of course, there was Tesla. After its blowout earnings report, shares were up as much as 6%, but ended the day down by five. Tim, this seems like... The momentum trade, the big cap tech trade, that sort of got unwound a little bit today.
3: Yeah. You know, is this another one of those rotation moments? We had one in mid-May. We had one in mid-June. And, and you know, maybe we have one here in late July. But if you think about the move in big cap tech, so Apple's down about five and a half percent. Uh, Against the S&P since uh, in the last 10 days, and and if you look across the board, you've you've seen this essentially across the tech space. And in fact, if you look at small cap stocks, so the IWM, the ETF that that that, uh, tracks the Russell 2000, actually eked out a small gain today. That that's up almost three percent during that last 10 days. Look at banks, banks which have been really easy to pick on, yield curve making new lows, or at least the 10-year and the long end continuing to flatten out, and yet. Banks are up 4.5% in the last 10 days. So this isn't just a one-day move. And sometimes these days seem like, uh, boy, this just all started today. This is a move that's been building for the last at least two, session, two weeks of sessions. And I think it's something that could continue. And again, we've just gotten through earnings uh, from a lot of these folks. And we started to see what it looks like when you, when you start to sell the news. So uh, very, very undersold in terms of value versus growth. We've talked about it at nauseam, And it does matter.
2: And the earnings are giving investors a reason to take a look at these stocks in the context of their valuation. Microsoft, for instance, Brian Kelly, there are a couple things that you know, normally investors analysts might overlook uh, in terms of operating margins coming in a little bit light, Azure coming in a little growth uh, coming in a little bit light. But in the context of its valuation, was that an excuse to lighten up on a name that on a price to sales basis is close to five year highs?
4: Yeah, I, th- I think that's right. I mean, the action today, particularly some, some strength in other sectors, augurs for this kind of, okay, let's take a pause here. That being said, you know, I'm a bit cautious and a little concerned uh, for two different reasons. Number one is, you mentioned Microsoft, but Tesla, uh, you know, they had some great earnings and it reversed and went lower. You know, Apple, not looking that great. These are kind of the names that everybody's been involved in, the Robinhood traders, David Daytrader, whoever you want to know, whatever you want to say, the momentum names really reversed today. So that concerns me, number one. And then number two, as Tim mentioned, the yield curve continues to get flat, and that eventually is going to start, I think, to hurt stocks, so you have to think, okay, what does the economy look like? And we're going back to your Microsoft question, Is this as good as it gets for Microsoft? Will the economy pick up, and will they be able to kind of grow their way out of these little hiccups that they've had? And I think the answer today that the market gave you was no.
2: Yeah, and we did see that bid to bonds in today's session. TLT was up by more than a percent. Karen, um, speaking to BK's point about the 10-year yield moving to, I think it was 0.57% at one point in the session.
5: I, I don't. I mean, there's a lot of sort of conflicting things out there. In the, to the extent that, if things are getting better in terms of can the comp, can the country reopen, then you saw some of those trades today, right? You saw um, banks and you saw airlines and 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 that rotation toward value, towards industrials, that's been really really beaten down a lot. And then you know when you look at it, maybe it's just the end of momentum and it. I think we give too much credit when we think about, oh, should Microsoft be down a little more than this, a little less? It's really just the momentum going in and people deciding, all right, you know what? So did they ring the bell last night at Tesla at 4.30 in the afternoon when it traded, I think, close to 1,700? Mm -hmm. And then just, you know, you hear everybody trample toward the door. I think that phenomenon is probably more than a one-day phenomenon. And look, I'm long you know, Google, I'm long Facebook, I'm long Apple, I'm long Microsoft. Um, I'm not inclined to get out and hope I can figure out when to get back in, when these companies again will be in, in favor. I think they're still in favor, but you know, this one or two day reversal or one or two week reversal should be expected when you have valuations move as quickly and as far as these have
2: yeah and and you're starting to get uh... street analysts question the valuation bono and i know you saw this call out on apple from goldman sachs basically saying that the stock price is unsustainable here they're questioning the launch of the five g phone saying that it could be delayed uh... by a month or so and so they're really throwing into question sort of this run that we've seen straight off of the march bottom to where we are right now um, the stock finished down by by more than four percent today's session what do you think happened in today's trade? And do you think it lasts for more than today?
1: You know, I, uh, that's a great question. I tend to agree in large part with what Karen said. This is really a momentum play. If we look back to, you know, a lot of the, um, lot of the comments that were made about this move higher in large cap tech, this was never really a valuation play. At least that wasn't the argument for these things going higher. It was, again, a flight to quality when we had a lot of unknowns going on in the economy fiscal policy, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So really what it was was a a flight to what is perceived value. And we are seeing rotations into energy, industrials, rails, and some of the other names. What gives me pause is when I start to see rotation into names like some of the airlines, which the credit market is clearly telling you, there's still some hiccups down the road. I think you're still paying points up front for CDS on a couple of those names. That doesn't tell me, that doesn't bode well for, for the stocks going forward. Uh, The last thing I'll point out is that you've seen just quite a bit of increased volatility around all of these names. I think Amazon was up 7%, down 7% in the last three days. Uh, If you look over a longer period of time, a lot of these names are trading relatively flat, maybe down 2%, 3%. Um, and, And in large part, tech earnings are relatively strong. I think, again, it's about momentum and expectations. And I think expectations got a little bit high, and people are taking this opportunity to kind of rotate into other sectors. But I would guard against being too speculative and what I uh, deployed the new capital into.
2: All right, um, we're watching Disney shares move lower in the after hour session. They're down by just about a percent. We got a news alert here. Julia Borson's got the news, Julia.
6: Melissa, Disney just now announcing delays to its film schedule in light of ongoing theater closures as well as production shutdowns. The studio announcing that Mulan, which was dated for August 21st, it had already been delayed multiple times, is now unset, saying they're, quote, pausing their release plans as they assess how they can most effectively bring this film to audiences around the world. The company also announcing that they are currently, that the all currently scheduled Avatar and Star Wars films have been moved out by one year and other films set for release later this year have been pushed back as well, including a Searchlight film, The Personal History of David Copperfield, pushing that back by two weeks. August 28th and then the Ridley Scott drama, the last duel. It was set for Christmas Day of this year. It's now being delayed to October of 2021. You see Disney shares are trading down about 1% in after hours trading as this year increasingly looks like it could be a wash for movie studios. Melissa, we still don't know when theaters will really fully be open again here in the US. Yep.
2: Julia, thank you. Julia Borson, I think Mulan was no surprise given the release date was in August, but for them to simply move out the full slate of movies, including Star Wars, which also has ramifications for all the products tied to Star Wars, like all the toys and things that are sold by other companies, Tim. Um, you know, we're really seeing the the stock take a bit of a hit in the after-hour session.
3: Yeah, not a dry eye in the house over the delay of David Copperfield. I mean, so I know we'll you're looking to forward That's, to that I'm, greatly. I personally. <laughs> personally crushed so so disney you know we continue to talk about theme parks but we you know the studios have been the gift to keep on giving and and the delay here in in the releases is, is some of this is is logistics some of this is trying to target the best audience it, it'd be very interesting to see how they want to use disney plus and they're north of fifty million disney plus subscribers now to be releasing some of these, you know, will this uh, change a, a release approach that maybe ultimately is is how they totally control uh, their distribution, which you know, they largely do right now. But mm-hmm. um, none of this is a major surprise. This isn't a major move. Uh, I think Disney's issues are, are really tied to the reopening of the economy. And, and there is some some level of of uh, uh, reliance upon the infrastructure in in whether it's movie theaters or theme parks. Uh, I don't think this changes your approach on Disney at all. Uh, And I think what it does is it underscores just how powerful, though, uh, the studios are and and where that's something that I think ultimately will come right back for them. And there will be pent up demand.
2: I guess we knew that it was taking a hit from all sides going into today. Right. I mean, we knew that sports wouldn't be back for a very long time hitting uh, the broadcast business the espn cable business specifically we knew that studios were going to be challenged we knew that the theme parks were going to have hiccups in the reopenings especially when you take a look at hong kong disney having to close once again karen but still how does this make you feel about the stock at this point
5: well i'm wondering also does this delay in production not just from the movie theater revenue but also from was it, wasn't this going to then be um, new supply for Disney Plus that then that
7: mm-hmm.
5: gets pushed back, however long? So I don't know if that you know that was the sort of the bright spot, even though it wasn't um, in terms of money making the bright spot because they're still spending so much to build it. But it's just sort of just another. I mean, God, I, I just they're sort of in the center of the worst of it all. That's almost so appealing to me that everything's terrible that I got to look at it again, except for that they do have a lot of debt from that Fox acquisition. And so I think you can wait a while.
2: All right. Uh, the stock is down 1.5% right now. We've got an earnings alert for you meantime on Intel. Shares are tanking after the chip name reported results. Uh, they're down about 9% right now off of the after-hour session lows. Deidre Bose has got the details. Hi, Deidre.
8: Hey, Melissa. That's right. There's a few reasons for the drop that we are seeing. One is a more near-term concern. Gross margins fell to 55% versus 62% in the year-ago quarter. The bigger reason, though, that could affect Intel's longer-term position in the semi-landscape, the company saying that its new 7-nanometer chip technology is six months behind schedule. AMD notably moving higher on this news. The rival chipmaker launched its own 7-nanometer chips in early 2019 and claimed that they could deliver better performance than the Intel alternative. Now, Intel's delay could allow AMD to take even more market share. Now, one of the key questions for investors going into this report was, can Intel hold off rivals and upgrade its manufacturing processes? Certainly going to be a question on the analyst call. That's just getting underway. Bob Swan, CEO, is speaking. Remember, though, that Intel has seen other setbacks and delays over the last few years that have allowed competitors like AMD to take market share. Now, Intel did reinstate full year guidance. However, it implied a disappointing second half of the year. Both Q3 and Q4 EPS appear that they will be below estimates. Shares, as Melissa mentioned, they are down some 9% in the after hours. Remember, too, that Intel has been battling NVIDIA for title of largest U.S. chip maker. If these losses for Intel persist till tomorrow's opening, uh, NVIDIA once again overtakes the company and market cap as the most valuable semi. Back over to you.
2: Deidre, thank you. Deidre Bosa, in, Um this is an Intel-specific problem, it seems, uh, taking a look at the after hours action that Deidre had pointed out. Um, and we knew that, it, that there were some questions about Intel's competitiveness. I mean, Apple moving to its own ship sort of underscored that notion going into this report already. But with the delay of the seven nanometer, uh, you know, there, there are some real questions here about the future.
1: Uh, absolutely. I mean, I think when you, when you think about technology stocks, really what you're going to point to is the, the gross margins there, right? For the most part, a lot of these businesses are relatively capital light. So you expect there to be a bit more robust from from a margin perspective. Uh, with that said, Intel has had several challenges. Um, you know, I noticed AMD was also up. I mean, the, the short story of it is that I'm, I'm hesitant to put too much credence into what's going on in the short term. Clearly, the, um, the Apple news was not necessarily positive, but as Guy uh, pointed out in a previous session, essentially that might actually expand their pricing power and revert some of the margin compression that we've seen. Um, I, I mean, the earnings just came out. I'd really like to dive in a bit more before I can give you a bit more meaty answer there. But um, upon first glance, you know, I, I, I really tend to think that this might be a more of a short-term shock than a long-term trend.
4: Speakers. Oh, you're looking for me. Yeah. But yeah. I that's mean, your name. Beakers. I, so right? So I would say this that is my name. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it took me a second. Um, uh, here's what I'd say about that. I, it's clearly I don't think you can extrapolate what's going on with Intel to the rest of the market. So that's number one. Uh, number two, in this environment, uh, having margin compression is not going to be good for your stock price that's what everybody's looking for is these kind of high margin high growth stocks if that's coming down and that's going to take a couple quarters as their guidance appears to be indicating uh that again is not going to be good for your stock price so for me if i'm in intel i'm probably starting to get out of it take some profit you might want to look at amd but i think with intel the trade for now is done All right, let's get to the other big story Uh, weighing on the markets here. The
2: next virus relief package for all the latest details. Let's get to Elon Moy. Elon.
9: Well, Melissa, early next week, that is when we now expect to see Senate Republicans introduce their next coronavirus relief package. We had thought that was going to happen today, but Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said that the White House wanted more time to look over the details of the aid. Still, he said the administration and Republicans have reached an agreement in principle.
7: Although the early days of our economic recovery have beaten expectations and surprised the experts, we have really only begun to repair the damage. More than 17 million Americans are still jobless. Far too many families are still hurting. This is not over.
9: Here's what we know is in the package so far. There's another round of PPP for businesses that have suffered a revenue loss of at least 50 percent. There's $105 billion in aid for education, flexibility for states to use federal aid to offset revenue losses, $16 billion in new funding for testing, and some version of those enhanced unemployment benefits Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin talking about a 70% wage replacement. There, guys, as we know, that $600 boost to unemployment that expires at the end of next week, and right now the timeline for Congress to get something done before then is looking really tight. Back over to you.
2: And of course, Elon, we're just simply talking about the package that the GOP is going to put together to put forth. They finally agreed on that. There's still the whole other process of negotiating with the Democrats. I mean. The, the chasm between what the Democrats want and even this proposed package is vast. And that's right. Democrats had
9: said they would not start negotiations until Republicans had put forth their own proposal. I think it's quite telling that literally within just a few minutes of McConnell saying they're going to unveil this next week, Pelosi announced that she's going to be having a press conference tomorrow to push to preserve that $600. In unemployment benefits so you can already see where some of the battle lines are being drawn
2: yeah elon thank you elon moy and of course in squawk box this morning we spoke to secretary, uh, treasury secretary steven mnuchin he said explicitly that the enhanced unemployment benefit as it stands now will not exist so that implies that there is going to be some some real um head-butting when it comes to that specific point tim it had been long assumed in the markets that there would be a bill passed and that there would be no gap. What yeah. do you
3: think now? Well, I, I think the markets have certainly priced in an expectation that there, there has to be an extension of unemployment. There has to be an extension uh, of, of uh, well there have to be delivery of some type of new stimulus checks. Um, so, yes, I think this you know delays will hurt. Um, but I, I, I still think that the biggest issue for the market is not around stimulus. I, I think it's around the Federal Reserve. Um, and as much as stimulus checks have been very good, and we've actually seen the straight line through to some big box retailers like Best Buy, um, I, I think uh, I, I, I'm not sure that the market is as offsides on this as uh, this presumption might be. I, I, I think ultimately there is going to be uh, a very bipartisan uh, follow through and something that ultimately is the, the market is uh, maybe priced in some good news. But I think it's all about the Federal Reserve right now.
4: Brian Kelly. Uh, Beakers, that's me. Yeah, I remembered it this time. Um, So uh, listen, I I actually think there's a there's a non-trivial chance here and probably maybe let's call it a 40 percent chance that this does not get done in time. Mm. And if you think about it, there's not a lot of incentive for the Democrats to negotiate. Right. It's the Republicans and the president. All they are. their, Their biggest metric is the stock market. So if you're a Democrat and you want to kind of hurt the reelection chances you want the stock market to go lower so there's no incentive uh, for you to negotiate as well Congress has always shown us that deadlines don't necessarily mean anything to them remember during TARP they didn't pass it uh, multiple times they they missed that and the market misprices that so I actually think we're pretty vulnerable based on this news that we're just at the GOP level and we've got to the end of next week. I think the market's more vulnerable than people are giving it credit for.
2: All right, let's get more on today's sell-off now. Bring in Tom Lee, the head of research for Fundstrat Global Advisors. Tom, great to have you with us.
7: Thanks for having me. Uh,
2: in terms of the sell-off today, you think that this is sort of a, a reversal of the momentum trade?
7: Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty healthy profit-taking. You know, stocks can't go up forever. Uh, We've had already a great July. So I I think it's nice to see stocks pull back. And I think it's good to see rotation in leadership. So, uh, you know, to me, uh, it's painful, but I think it's really healthy. Mm
2: I was sort of uh, taking a peek at the conversation you and, and rob slimer your technical analysts uh were having i think it was on twitter and and one thing that i thought was interesting that rob had pointed out was that gold was higher today but we did see miners and in particular the junior miners reverse really indicating that this is an unwind of some of that momentum how long do you think a move like this lasts
7: uh you know in 2020 2020- Growth has led, and there have only been really short periods of value leadership. Um, I don't think that value sort of sustainable leadership takes place until we really break the path of the virus. So I think right now, unfortunately, the virus is spreading at an uncontained rate until we can conclude, at least the market can conclude, that that's peaked. um, You know, I think growth is fine. And I do think people are making too much of the sort of top five stocks are too much of the S&P market cap you know, they're 22 percent of the market cap, but they're close to 20 percent of earnings. So they're not disproportionately representing earnings share.
4: Brian, you got a question? I do. Hey, Tom, it's BK. So, you know, you made a tremendous uh, call when the market was down and you tend to be a bit of a contrarian. So I'm surprised up at these levels that you aren't a little more cautious coming into the election uh, with potential for a i wouldn't even call it a second wave this tsunami wave coming into the fall what
7: gets you concerned none of that concerns you at all uh i mean brian there's a lot to be worried about i mean the economy's still stuck in neutral um the virus is still growing at an uncontained rate but on the other hand when i look at positioning nearly the the majority i wouldn't say nearly every but the majority of our clients that i have a conversation with are really cautious for the reasons you've mentioned, and for the obvious reasons, like earnings are terrible. Mm. There's so much cash on the sidelines. But when you've got negative sentiment, retail sentiment negative, nearly five trillion dollars of cash, and then a VIX that's about to break down, I think this sounds like the next, you know, 100 points, next 7% is, is, is higher, not lower. Mm. And I think that's contrary because I think people think we're topping right now.
2: Tom, we're going to mm-hmm. leave it there. Great to speak with you. Thank you, Thanks, Tom Lee of Funstrat. Karen, you know, Tom just hit on a bunch of points, um, points that you make uh, when you explain why you stay in some of these big cap tech stocks.
5: Right. So I, I stay in them for because I still like them, even though their valuation is a little stretched. But then I also have names that are you know more so for the banks for example right if, if things get better in the country in terms of reopening and the economy feels like it's maybe getting some some of a floor under it then i think those will do better i i'm always nervous whatever tom says he makes these bold predictions and i and i always think wow that's crazy and he's been right so many times it doesn't feel to me like you know like the market's about poised for another big breakout but He's been right so many times. i got to think, wow, maybe there is just so much money on the sidelines and we don't even need further Fed stimulus. It's just um, too many people think the market's topping out. And he makes these bold predictions in in in, monotone.
2: So it's like you don't even realize that they're bold (laughs) until after you sit there and you think about it, Bono. And what what did you think? I mean, basically, you're saying the pain trade is going to be higher at this point.
1: Sorry, Bueller, Bueller. (laughs) um, (laughs) <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, it does make a lot of sense. He makes some great points. Listen, there, there is 5 trillion on the sidelines. And then on top of that, we have Fed stimulus that's continuing to, to be more speculative in nature. So, I mean, it, it's a logical argument, right? Like, if I go to pick it apart from, from both a technical and logical standpoint, it makes a lot of sense. I, again, we can make the valuation argument um, as, as a contrarian to what, to what he said. But, again, I, I really don't think this rally, I mean, the last leg of this rally has really been um, leaning on valuation. Um, It's growth, it's forward um, forward earnings out to 21, 22, and as we said, it's really a Fed put. There's a Fed put in the market and there's no denying that and I think trying to overthink that point, um, for one, hurts my head, and I, I think we overcomplicate the equation here.
2: All right, coming up, despite the sea of red on the street, we found a few bright spots in today's market. What are these names and should you buy them? We'll debate that ahead, and later is Amex about to pay a big price when it reports earnings tomorrow? We'll find out what some options traders are saying about this financial stock. Much more when Fast Money returns.
7: What's on the horizon for financial markets?
2: Welcome back to Fast Money. There were a few bright spots in today's big sell-off. Check out shares of Texas Capital Bank surging more than 9% after posting better-than-expected results. The move also giving a boost to the KRE Regional Bank's ETF closing up more than 2.5% today. Uh, meantime, take a look at airlines. They also took flight. Shares of American United Airlines leading the sector higher by around 4%. Americans saying it posted a $2 billion loss in the latest quarter but slowed its cash burn rate. Uh, dramatically and that really is the story of the airlines Tim they need to slow that down they need to have liquidity uh, in for American at least it was 15 and a half billion dollars in liquidity on the balance sheet at the end of the quarter
3: yeah I, I think for airlines as much as it's a painful story and it's it's about you know less uh, less cash burn on a daily basis and that's the good news that's certainly the glass half full on that on the very half empty story um, you know Someone like United, who just gave us numbers and said that they're now down to 25 million a day on cash burn, Um, the story really is trying to match up demand to capacity. And I actually applaud the airlines for not trying to chase uh, either some additional demand by massively lowering prices. I mean, I think this is a process. Um, I think the reality is that airlines are not going to be normalized until uh, for at least the next year, possibly year and a half. But the liquidity dynamics, and again, I would I would be quoting uh, our friend Hunter Kay at Wolf. Who says somewhere by the end of q1 2021 maybe into q2 uh, if they get to 50 percent of capacity they're Mm -hmm. more or less at break even especially after having reeled in so that's really the trade with airlines the fact that they bounced a bit today not a big surprise getting more insight into that cash but i don't think there's any question uh, they're they're solvent uh, it's a question of when and what you want to pay uh, for an airline, right here.
2: Yeah, they got the cash burn down to 18 million dollars a day, um, but they have a lot of debt, Karen. And they also announced that they're doing another debt offering of more than a billion dollars, and this time they're collateralizing gates uh, as well as some some branding, I think, intellectual property. Um, how how do these air, air American Airlines specifically has much more debt than a lot of its competitors. It started the year with more than 33 billion dollars in debt which is basically i mean that's like i don't know how many airplanes that's worth but but how do they start paying down that massive pile of of debt once even the biz when the business returns
5: well i I mean they do get some cash from all of these uh, refinancings and new borrowings that they've been doing so that's going to help for a while but that is really the story i mean these balance sheets which were in really good shape coming in have just exploded, and I think that they're going to be digging out of these for out of this, these new capital structures for years. So I, I, and, and you know I always look to the debt. It's trading better than it was for sure, but it is not consistent with where some of these equity valuations are for the stocks. So uh, I, I really I, I mean I get the idea of being able to get to 50 percent, and then if they're at a break even business, I don't know what's that worth Does, uh, for the equity. I don't know. To to me, I'm still, because the balance sheets have just gotten so underwater relative to where they were so little time ago, I just think they're a no touch. BK, you agree? No touch? Uh, Well,
4: listen, I've been completely wrong on the airline. So for me, yeah, they've got to be a no touch because at this point, I've I've got no touch in these things whatsoever. I I have thought that their balance sheets are going to be challenged for a long time. Um, I didn't think people would be willing to fly as much as they are. So I've been wrong on that. Uh, but I don't like buying companies that the best thing that they can do is break even. And at the same time, they're collateralizing the curtains and the intellectual property. It's just not a trade for me. So yeah, they are a no touch.
2: Yeah. Bono, and you were taking a look at the debt that you mentioned before. So what do you think of the airlines here?
1: Uh, it's no secret, in my opinion, on the airlines. Um, I don't think no touch even begins to describe my sentiments about the space. And it's, it's about the airlines themselves and about the opportunity cost of not investing in something else that has a much more robust upside uh, profile. But speaking about the debt, I will be constructive here, and I will point out and give um, an applause to the structuring team there. Half of that debt is actually... Um, they can convert that to payment in kind or picking it, which means that they can actually exchange debt for debt, tack that on to the end um, of the life cycle of the maturity and actually give themselves a little bit more cash runway. So I, I did want to point that out. It seems pretty, um, pretty creative in terms of, again, the, the name of the story, the name of the game here is uh, cash burn maintenance. And that gives them another level lever to pull um, to that end.
2: Yeah, this is the ultimate sort of vaccine play. Tim, I'm going to give you a brutal would you rather, though, because uh, airlines oh, well. and cruise lines are, are among retail investors' favorites. And, uh, you know, we like to, to listen to what our viewers are trading. So would you rather airlines or cruise lines? I mean, what I what I will not
3: is would you rather rather and, and throw in, you know, anything a, else uh, uh, <laughs> and anything else. Airlines. Airlines, for yeah. sure. I think you have a case here where um, we at least have so l- a little bit more insight. People don't have to get back on cruise lines. They have to get back on airlines.
2: All right. We got some breaking news out of Washington. Let's get back to Elon Moy. Elon. Melissa, President Trump announcing that he is canceling the Republican convention in Jacksonville,
9: Florida, saying the timing of this event is just not right. Now, they had already decided to hold much of the event, if not all of it, outdoors in order to Uh, address the surging cases of coronavirus that the state is seeing. Uh, President Trump said that it will continue in some other form. But for now, the Republican convention
2: in Jacksonville is off. Back over to you. All right, Elon, thank you. Elon Moy in Washington. Coming up, we are celebrating Christmas in July here on Fast Money as we break down the recent moves in silver and gold. Those trades next. our own VK has brought along a chart of the day. He says you better watch out. With what is happening here as gold prices rip higher, you didn't don't want to miss this. We're back in two.
9: What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation.
2: Welcome back to Fast Money. There's been some magic in the metals lately. Gold and silver both having some impressive runs since their March lows. Gold climbing over twenty three percent, while silver has exploded a whopping eighty two percent. So do metals keep grinding higher here? Tim, you've been a fan.
3: Yeah, I, I think they do. Um, certainly, Burl Ives sang it very well on Rudolph, and I think you have a case here where silver, which is uh, in the last 91 days is under, excuse me, has outperformed gold by about 48%. I think there's more of that to go. I, I think if you look at that gold-silver ratio, how uh, oversold it was to the downside, there's still a long way to get back to the means. I think inflation adjusted. If you take gold back to where it peaked in, in the early 80s, 2,600 the level on gold. I think you can go there. I actually think gold, which at times gets very, very frothy right now, has every reason to break through those September uh, 2011 levels, which would be all-time highs around 1926, something like that.
2: Yeah. Um, Bono, and how do you feel about gold, uh, in investing in gold over miners? I mean, we did see the, the breakdown in the correlation, at least in today.
1: I'm still pretty bulled up. I mean, if you look at yeah. all the fiscal stimulus, I mean, it's really a question of how we're really going to, how the, the Fed um, is really going to manage a balance sheet going forward. I mean, I think we've all said it in many different ways. But when you have that uncertainty, rates where they are, and the, the uncertainty of the economy, and what, the, the, what fruit this fiscal stimu- stimulus is going to bear on the back end, yes, it seems like a very logical place to put the money.
2: All right, perfect segue for our chart of the day. BK has brought this chart of the day to our attention. Um, So, Beeks, why did you point this out?
4: Well, I pointed this out because there's there's some just basic fundamentals. This is the drumbeat behind why you want to be in something like gold and silver. So this is real interest rates. And what that is is the interest rate in this particular case on the five-year bond minus inflation. So in this case right now, if you're to buy a five-year bond in five years you'd be guaranteed to lose 1.13 percent when you uh, adjust for inflation so in that environment you it you want to be you don't want to be in bonds. so all that bond money is coming in to gold and silver and if you look at it as soon as it, the real rate dropped below zero gold started to take off and i think that continues you know the one caveat i would say and this just happened as we were on air here is the cma has raised some margin on silver. And so what that effectively does is people have to readjust some things, maybe cut some positions. So in the short term, I'm talking next week, you might see some weakness in this, but there's a huge tailwind with these negative real rates for both gold and silver.
2: Yeah, I mean, actually, the, the two-day move in silver that we saw, not including today's session, but the prior two session was the biggest two-day gain in the history of the data, according to Carter Wars. So maybe no surprise that CME is stepping in there and putting these limits on. Karen, we were actually discussing real rates just today over the phone, just, you know, us girls chatting real I rates. Yes, as, you, <laughs> just, as you do. Yeah. Yeah. As we do, yeah.
5: Truly, we were. That's embarrassing. <laughs> yes, it is true. No, I, that's hot. I find that sort that's, of that's, fascinating. I get, you know, I come back to the question again. So, gold in a negative rate environment and an inflationary environment, which we could maybe be at simultaneously, um, or low rates and, and inflation. Um, but I'm surprised, BK, you didn't say Bitcoin.
4: Oh, wow. I mean, come on. I mentioned Bitcoin the other night, and there's only so much the American public can take. But Bitcoin, Bitcoin's actually underperformed. Okay. And actually, at this point in time, it's mispriced. The, the amount of growth in addresses is totally mispriced in Bitcoin. So I think there's more upside in that than I do in gold and silver. All
2: right. Coming up, check out these earnings movers and shakers. We'll bring you the latest on what is happening in these names and how to trade them, Colty and Twitter. And later, options traders say this financial is ready to flatline that trade and more straight ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. It is the heat of earnings season, and Twitter is one of the few stocks soaring higher today. Let's get to Julia Borson on what investors got excited about in Twitter's quarter. Julia.
6: Well, Melissa, Twitter shares adding four percent today on the company's fastest growth in daily monetizable users since it started reporting that metric. The key new, that key user number rising by 20 million between the first quarter and the second quarter, soaring way past expectations of the addition of seven million users. But despite that user growth, revenue fell faster than expected, declining 19 percent from the year earlier quarter, suffering from a broad pullback in advertising and the fact that Twitter is very much reliant on brand advertising, which has declined more than direct response ads. Still, the company says it's building out its ad tools, including a new ad server and direct response ads, so it can better monetize those new users when the ad market eventually returns. And Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey saying the company is working to build out other new revenue streams, including potentially a subscription service, saying they've hired people to start working on this option.
1: We have a really high bar uh, for for when we would um, ask consumers to to pay for aspects of Twitter. Um, And, uh, you know, this is uh, a start. um, And we're in the very, very early phases of
5: uh, exploring
6: as for last week's hack into those high-profile Twitter users' accounts, Dorsey apologized, saying they fell behind on restrictions on internal tools related to that hack, and that they are continuing to invest in security. Melissa,
2: Julia, thank you, Julia borston
6: uh, Bonowin,
2: did you like Twitter's quarter? Do you like Twitter?
1: Um, I, I like the monetizable subscri- subscriber growth. Um, you know, I, and I—the short answer is yes. Um, but as I kind of comb through the earnings release, uh, it's really not about profitability, it's about their ability to engage and grow revenues from users over the long term. I do feel like it's a little bent towards uh, the continued work from home, being that people have more time to to be engaged at a much higher level but over the long run i do see a shift there and i think it was overall pretty positive and constructive absolutely
2: yeah i I think for a lot of these sort of social media companies anybody who's benefiting from work from home there's this real underlying question of how much is pulled forward and how how many of those new users actually stick around once work from home is diminished uh, to some degree brian brian kelly i don't think i've called you brian in like years. But Brian, uh,
3: how that?
4: do you feel about
5: Twitter? I don't know
4: who that is. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was wondering who that was. Boy, um, yeah. I actually like Twitter. I, I think this quarter was, go- was good. The monetizable users is huge. That's always been the, the, the knock here is that it's a great platform. It's probably the biggest newsroom in the world. It's where I get most of my news first, not always necessarily journalistically vetted, but at least it's where I go first to find out what's moving things. And so I I actually like that they're able to make some money here.
2: All right. Coming up, Twitter is not the only stock rallying on earnings. Can you imagine? Pulte Group, also climbing higher after reporting this morning, will break down what is behind this move. Plus, there is one name in the payment space that is gearing up for earnings. But option traders say that its run may be overdrawn. We'll explain when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money Pulte Group rallying higher after reporting earnings this morning. Diana Oleg joins us now to break down what is behind this move. Hi, Diana. Hi, Melissa. Yeah,
0: Pulte beat expectations and offered a pretty optimistic outlook for the housing market in the second half of this year. So after plummeting 53 percent annually in April, new orders at Pulte jumped 50 percent in June, showing that incredible V-shaped recovery the builders have been seeing. Buyers are looking for larger floor plans with multiple rooms for working and schooling from home, and they want high tech, which is, of course, the builder's sweet spot. Now, Pulte reported strong demand across all geographies and a 77 percent jump in June orders from first time homebuyers, as well as a 20 percent, 21 percent annual gain for active adult, which had been lagging. Pulte CEO Ryan Marshall said on the earnings call, we are very encouraged by the fact that the momentum of this dramatic recovery continues as demand has remained strong through the first few weeks of July. That strong demand allowed Pulte to raise its prices in more than half of its communities, anywhere from one to three percent. Also, its cancellation rate is coming down. Now, Ryan added that Pulte is fully up and operational again with show They are also buying land again, which most builders had stopped doing in March when the pandemic hit. Also, he mentioned a zip code analysis they did on buying patterns that showed a movement of renters and homeowners from urban centers heading to surrounding suburbs. We've heard that before. Now, the strong results were enough for Pulte to reinstitute guidance for the rest of the year. Melissa.:
2: All right, Diana. Thank you, Diana Olick. Despite Pulte's beat, both the homebuilders ETF, XHB and home construction ETF, ITB closed in the red after spending the day uh, mostly higher. Uh, Karen, it looks like we have the data now to show that there is an urban flight out of the cities. Does that um, make the home builder story even stronger?
5: It does. I mean, I think we're in the early-ish stages of that flight. I mean, the home build and going into the, this downturn, they were in a pretty good position in that there wasn't a flood of inventory at all. And so there's still not. And so obviously, then when you get more demand and you don't have a greater increase in supply, you have a pretty good market. But we're seeing it over and over, the same trade. If we look at something like a Whirlpool and how strong their earnings were, even uh, Best Buy, talking about their appliance strength. So, I mean, there are people who are still employed, not as many, of course. And then you have interest rates at this level that we haven't seen maybe forever for some mortgages. That's a pretty good mix, and we don't have oversupply. So I like the home builder space, and I I think we're going to continue to see strength there. We've seen it in Home Depot. We've seen it in Lowe's. Yeah. The whole flywheel.
2: Uh, Tim, do you like home builders or would you go down the food chain a little bit, so to speak, and go to, say, the Whirlpool pools of the world a or Whirlpool. the flooring people or, you know, Sherwin-Williams? Yeah, well, I like, I, like,
3: uh, I like Whirlpool. I like Moscow. In fact, I've been having trouble. I finally waved in a Whirlpool refrigerator after about a six-week wait um so there's there's a there's a lot of pent-up demand there's a lot of supply chain issues frankly um what what is the active adult segment of pulte's bit? what does that mean am i am i an active adult i don't really i, mean, I, really that's, with that, I uh... think
2: you're active <laughs> active in what yes, way is the you. question but um well, i don't
3: i don't know but but yeah. I, I will say this about pulte going in going into the into COVID 19 the stock was on a tear Um, So when you consider that second quarter order growth and when you look at the gross margin and everything you just talked about with these secular trends, I think this is a stock you stay with. I I, I actually uh, I think Pulte is the one that continues to run.
2: All right. Coming up, we'll break down why options traders are saying it is time to cash in on one payment name. That's next. and fact, Jim Cramer's interviews with the CEOs of Lemonade and MP Materials tonight on Mad Money. That is 6 p.m. Eastern time. MP Materials, by the way, operates Mountain Pass, the rare earth's mine. Uh, You won't want to miss that. Fast Money continues right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Check out American Express lagging the rest of the payment stocks in a big way this year. The name reports earnings before the bell tomorrow, and option traders are betting it could be about to pay the price when those results cross the wire. Bonoan got the action. What are you watching, Bonoan?
1: Uh, Indeed, indeed. So taking a look at AXP going into earnings, you can take a look at the the at-the-money straddle, and that's implying about a 3.5% move in either direction between now and Friday. Compare that to an average of about 2% over the last four quarters. And the trade that really stuck out to me was the Friday expiry, so July 24th, 90 strike puts. That traded about 2,000 times for an average price of around 20 cents. So the buyer of this structure is betting that the stock's going to roll over about 7%. Um, The seller of this put is essentially betting that the stock is going to stay range-bound to the downside. I will add that the 91 and the 92 puts also seem bought. And given the short-dated nature of the trade, it makes for a pretty good trading position as opposed to investing position. If you get a lot of volatility to the downside, it's opportunity for you to hold these and then close them out uh, for a profit.
2: All right. Thanks for that, Bono. for more Options Action, you can tune into the full show. That is tomorrow, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Coming up, we've got the final trade. Take a check on shares of Intel in the after hours trade. Still down to the tune of 10% right now. Of course, a better than expected quarter, the top and bottom line for the second quarter, but gross margins had come in a little bit late. The company also indicating that it is delaying its 7 nanometer chip. Uh, production line. Uh, we were watching shares of AMD uh, move higher on the back of that news. So this is something to watch in tomorrow's session. All right, time for the final trade. Let's go
5: around the horn. Karen. Yeah, well, we were just talking about it. Pulte Homes, that, uh, they were very optimistic on the conference call when it, it did open and trade much higher and it ended the day near its lows. Um, but I really like it here. Bono and Eisen. I am
1: holding on to my golden ticket with GLD.
4: Ryan Kelly. That's me. So, you know, one of my favorite signals to take profits is good news, bad price action. Tesla had that today. You sell Tesla. Interesting. Tim Seymour. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. Mel, you're on Twitter, right? Am I on Twitter? At this moment, you mean? mean, Yeah, I
3: mean, (laughs) I... Well, not during the show, because that's you know how you're conducting such great interviews. But look, the bottom line is the engagement on Twitter right now. I don't know why people are poo-pooing 20 million sequential daily active users. Twitter, stay there. Buy it.
2: All right. Thanks for watching. Fast to see you back here tomorrow at 5. Van Money with Jim Cramer starts right now.